You're very welcome along to The Punt uh, in association with William Hill here on The 42, bringing you uh, all the analysis of the biggest sporting events on a monthly basis in Ireland and abroad. And do remember that this Cheltenham show uh, will entail plenty of chat about odds and so forth and horses. So do remember to gamble responsibly, particularly at this time of year, and do visit dunlouis.net. And what a lineup we have today. We have, let's start off with one of the true ga- greats of uh, Gaelic games. It's only former loud miner, Don McLean. How are you, Don? <laughs> I wasn't sure what track you were going on, Jenny. There, yeah. All good, thanks. Yeah, delighted to be on. Thanks a million for having me. We have this strange situation now where I'm kind of envisaging you're like uh, a manager or some sort of a teacher and John Small, who is just about to appear now, is kind of like the player or the pupil and he's about to get a scolding. How are you getting on, John? Good, Johnny. Thanks very much for having me on. Not at all. I got to congratulate you. You became a father recently. I did, yeah. My son was born there on the 2nd of January. So he's about, he's 10 weeks now on Saturday. And uh, yeah, no, it's great. You're starting to see all his little characteristics and mannerisms and stuff. So it's nice seeing him evolve. You named him Charlie after? Charlie, yeah. Charlie Declan. Uh, Declan after my, my late dad, Declan. So um, yeah, Charlie Declan Small. Uh, nice ring to it, I think. Yeah, I want to mention your dad, Declan, um, who I met when um, he was sick and he was terminally ill. And mm. um, we had a little visit to Willie Mullins' yard um, and you were there. I think we might get a photo of that up in due course, but he was a big influence on your interest in racing. Yeah, my dad would have sparked my interest in racing, Johnny. Um, I suppose it's like a lot of people, like he would have brought me to a huge amount of race meetings when I was younger. Um, I would say I've been to every course in Ireland, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so, but I remember going to loads of them. Like we used to go to Leopardstown, obviously Punchestown, Ferry House, the Curra, all the time. Like when we were younger, um, and that just kind of sparked my interest in it, and just had a huge appreciation for the horses and the sport, and and just was like grabbed by it from a young age, and then just continued on from that. And yeah, that's what that's kind of how I got into it. How did he get into racing then? So he would have got into it because my granddad, I'd say, would, would she used to train greyhounds a huge amount of them, mm-hmm. and it was kind of there would have been greyhound training in the family. He's from Tipperary and he used to train them down there, and he came up to Dublin then, and and then it would have been a bit of a crossover with the horses as well. And my dad preferred the horses, and that's how he kind of got into it. And then he he was involved in a huge amount of syndicates, and um, yeah, he loved it. Like I, mean, I was saying, I was only chatting the other day about he used to. He was involved in a horse called Best Away. Yeah. He won a race at Turles in... Is that Tom Hogan's? Tom Hogan's, yeah. Eddie, Eddie, yeah. Road, yeah. Yeah, and he beat Dundera, actually. That, that was, that was remember that, he SP 12 to 1. And we were down in Turles. I would only been at 12 or 13 at the time. And uh, yeah, geez, that was a great day for him. Like, and then obviously Dundera the following year went on to, to go on that big run up to win that Cheltenham. So um, that's kind of his... He was the horse actually sadly died there two runs later, but he was he was upset over that. But yeah, no, I remember that was a brilliant day down in Turles that we went down to that. I me- I remember doing Dara winning well at Cheltenham coming from absolutely out of the clouds. I remember him getting yeah. into the uh, Tyestes as a reserve under Paul Carberry. Can I ask you as well though? Um, I just I always wonder about this as kids in Dublin, what sports they get into. So presumably your dad was just a massive influence in you and Paddy getting into Gaelic games. Yeah, so that would have been too. Like he loved horse racing. He he loved. Um, Obviously, Gaelic football. We we played a bit of soccer as well. Uh, he, so, but it was always going to be Gaelic football. He was going to push us down that road because um, we're probably a bit too big to be jockeys. So uh, it was always going to be Gaelic football. Um, but no, it was it was yeah. He pushed us down that road, and and he was a huge influence in in the club, our club, Ballymun Kickums. And um, yeah, so we were playing from a very young age, and then in the meantime, we used to go down to the to the different race meetings on, on the days we weren't playing football. And, and Don, like you, of all the years I've known you playing AstroTurf and going on various Cheltenham preview nights, you, you've, you've never told me until literally about half an hour ago that you actually did play for Loud Miners and you were an under-21 for the club at the tender age of 16. Yeah, well, the, the Loud Miners thing that Johnny, I, that was, I went to America that summer. I never got to the championship. I did train with them and we played a couple of challenging matches before we got, I think Mead beat us in the first round of the Leinster that year. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there's, there's a common thread. Um, but yeah, ah, look, I, I played Gaelic football um, like John there. There was no well, there was no soccer where I like we grew up in, in rural Louds. There was no soccer 
around where I was. So it was all a game of football, even when we went to the CBS. I just about permit both of you to call it soccer from now on, but that's it. Like, you know, it's, it's football from now on, right? I differentiated from Gaelic football, <laughs> yeah. um, But no, it was Gaelic football the whole way. Yeah, it was great. And we, we did, you know, I played for the Dreadnoughts um, for Clara Head. And then when we moved house when I was young, I played for the O'Connells. Then up to, up to, I guess, up until I went to, went to college and beyond but yeah I was, it was it was brilliant it was all you know like John there it was all the, it was all we played really was was football Can you tell me about the children's book you brought out last year as well because there are parallels with uh, John in terms of you lost a parent very young as well Yeah look um, my mother died when I was a, a baby literally so I never knew her but yeah like I, that, that, that book it's a book that I've had in my head for quite a while and um just been talking to O'Brien Press about a few different things and it came up. So they said, sure, write it away and we'll have a look at it and see if it's any good. So, you know, luckily they published it. But yeah, it's, it's about, a, it's, a, it's for kids. It's a kid's book and it's for kids. And it's about a girl growing up who loses her dad. And um, I guess, you know, for me, it was the, you know, the, my experience when I was a kid. But also we've got, we've got four girls. So kind of trying to look at it from their perspective, if anything, God forbid, happened to me. So yeah, it was good. But, but and Gaelic football as the, as the thread that ran through the whole the book. So look, it was, I, I loved writing it. It was a bit cathartic, I suppose. But um, yeah, it was, it was an enjoyable experience for me. And thank, luckily O'Brien Press thought enough of it to go and publish it. Yeah. How did you come up with the name? Uh, it's called, yeah, it's called All to Play for. That was, that wasn't my choice, actually. I wanted to call it the girl in the orange socks, but O'Brien. Ah, it, nice. In their wisdom, uh, no look. They, they, whatever focus groups or things that they run through, they think through. That was all to play for. Was the one that was coming out on top all the time. So I'm happy to bow to other people's better judgment on on, on these things. And John, if Declan were alive now, obviously the chat would have uh, turned probably the, from the, the seven in a row challenge or whatever um, to Cheltenham. But just in terms of winning the club championship last year, how special was that for you and your brother Paddy? Because the, the images of the two of you on the pitch afterwards, I suppose, they're pretty much among the most iconic, I think, um, sporting images from Ireland of 2020. Yeah, it was, it was huge amount of like, we kind of... I don't know. Our club was kind of drifting a bit, Johnny. We had, we we always had a really good team. Uh, our senior team was, was very very strong, and we kind of probably felt we underachieved. Mm. In a strange sort of way, nearly my dad's passing kind of galvanised the club, and and we just really bonded as a team. And uh, I think it was huge. Was he very big in the club? Yeah, he was the chairman of the club, um, and like hugely involved in everything. Um, he actually set up the the club nursery, uh, like so. A lot of them underage guys that came through on that team, he would have he would have started that. Um, so he had a massive, massive influence, and it was a big loss in the club, obviously. And and you know we were kind of like, kind of as I said, drifting, and and it did galvanise us, I think, a little bit. And then we had a really good management team in place, and just and, and just when we the final, like we played Ballyboden St. Enders in the final, who were Leinster champions, and we we beat them very well, and we played really, really well as well, and. I think it was more just how well we played. He would have loved to see like that performance of football and just that it was great how much he would have loved that. And then I suppose we just got a bit emotional about the whole thing. And but it was it was a really, really good victory for the club and, and hopefully kickstart something now going forward for, for Ballymun. Do you remember the kind of embracing your brother afterwards? And I guess you're not thinking of you're after winning the count's title, you're not thinking of this is gonna make a great photograph. No, nothing like that. Just um, it was it was a bit of a sense of oh geez, that was fantastic, and just dad would have loved to seen it. You know, that was more, and it was really really nice to be able to to share that moment with Paddy because he played very well as well. So it was, it was nice. You obviously won an All Star uh, finally. Um, which what are you now? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, gone twenty eight in January. Yeah, I think the 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 kind of the, the consensus is that if you were actually just um, a bit more of a saintly player on the pitch, you might have gotten an all star before now. But I remember meeting you in one of the brief kind of periods where we weren't in proper lockdown last year, and I was chatting to you about what was it like to be an inter county player in lockdown. And I don't know, maybe half an hour into the conversation, you said, "Oh yeah, by the way, um, yeah, I'm going to be a father as well." But you were you were talking about. Um, you were actually kind of enjoying it because it was different and it, it wasn't quite as, as difficult as it would be because there was it was just like um, maybe a more normal year because of the lockdown and things were a little bit different for the inter-county footballer. What was it actually like? 
Yeah, like it was, it was obviously like everyone else. It was, it was different because, um, like, we didn't really know when we were going to be back or what if we were going to be mm. back. Everyone was kind of a bit, you know, it was kind of like, what, when, when is this going to end or if it's going to end? So, like, it was just kind of embracing that. So, like, it was, we were given it, we were obviously given programs to do and tip away at ourselves, but it was nice actually having the freedom and being able mm. to do things in your own time. A little bit more, even because we're our jobs as well. We were kind of in the dark of when, what was going to happen. So we were kind of had a little bit more freedom to train. And I had Paddy. So I was, again, very lucky that we were able to bounce off each other and, and train with each other. And, you know, it was a little bit more just our own routine as opposed to being with a collective group. It was quite different. Uh, it was nice. As I said, a little break. But like now come as we've gone into this sort of period of lockdown it's a bit different because we do know like we obviously had a championship last year so we knew we do know we are going to be back um sooner rather than later so it's a little bit different but it was just the kind of the unknown and making that work and and doing whatever we could to i suppose best prepare ourselves for when we did come back i really got the impression lads were happier that they could see their clubmates before as well yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, the club thing was 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 big. I know. Probably after they, they probably got a bit of negative press, but the actual mm. club, club championship itself um, was brilliant. Like it was fantastic. Like being able to train, train with all them guys you grew up with, and it was kind of it was really. You just showed up to train, and you train, and you went home. It's so different than intercounty. Like, and we, I hadn't really experienced that in so long. You nearly forget what it's like. And um, mm. like, like we won the club championship. We were training in a public park. Um, because mm. we, couldn't, we couldn't train in the clubhouse or anything like that um, and yeah it was it was really really it was just different it was that kind of amateur sort of thing and and it was nice uh, playing with all them guys as I said that I would have grown up with and and met, been friends with throughout the years and, and it was just yeah it was just a little bit more relaxed I suppose Don, Don, just the last yeah bit, sorry Don was it a bit like homeschooling with the kids now they're all at home doing <laughs> and you go back to school and join up with the lads again yeah, exactly, exactly. You're going from um, ah, it's just it's totally different. Like it is totally different county and club, but it was it was it was a nice because we hadn't really got that. Like say, even the previous years, um, you'd be coming back from a, a setup with Dublin, and you're you're kind of tired or even mentally fatigued, and you're going into a club setup, and they're not really getting the best. Year. It was just it was just a different dynamic, and it was as I said it was something different, and we made it work. So, and obviously, we got the reward at the end. So, um, and it it. it in general, are people happy enough then with the format for this year that there, it's kind of the, the pathway is laid out and there's, I guess, the uncertainty is gone anyway. Yeah, like they, they split the season, which which makes sense. It does make sense. I'm sure. But um, I said now that it will have that sort of this is the club season, this is the this is the county season. I see the the, the club um, the club association has disbanded now because that's all they ever wanted. Mm. They have it now. Mm. So, um, yeah, but I think it makes sense. It's great you get your the inter-county season and you get the club season as well. So I think it's good. And in fairness, Don, like uh, watching some of the Champions League games this week, we've had racing since June or whatever. So, it, you know, if you're a racing fan, um, you, you haven't had an awful lot to complain about because there's always something on. But I, I got a tremendous enjoyment out of the inter-county games you know late last year um, obviously the two provincial winners out of out of the blue but also the hurling and I'm sure you enjoyed it as well and it was just great to have it and the, the, the quality on performance of performance that the players produce Yeah I know it was great that it went ahead as John said there um, and yeah like the like I suppose you didn't watching the games on television after a little while you from, nearly forgot there was no one there you know it was kind of you're, you're focusing on the games and the hurling as well you know Limerick were brilliant and the, the ladies football as well was pretty like for Dublin to win and win it again like that was that was a great series as well to watch and I suppose you know you pay more attention to that I suppose you know when when um, when it's so important to everybody but it was great that it, that it went ahead great that they got through the championships and yeah because like, you say with racing like it's with it, two and a half months off that was all and it is a bit surreal. Like I'm one of the lucky ones. I get to go racing for work sometimes these days. So it is. It's a bit kind of weird being there with no people there. But mm. it's you kind of get used to it. Okay. But for the bigger meetings, like for Leopardstown, the Dublin Racing Festival, that was really eerie having Honey Suffolk yeah. with his enclosure and nobody there to welcome her back in. You know. But you know, as you say, Johnny, it's 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 great that it's going ahead. 
Well, I, to be honest, now I'm delighted I'm not going to Cheltenham because I, I have found it difficult going to um, just racing behind closed doors, obviously. But it was actually striking, John, particularly watching some of the hurling games when Watford were going well and, and Limerick. There was actually a bit of an atmosphere in an 82,000 seater of Hope Park just generated by the lads on the bench. And it just kind of showed the passion that these lads have for it. Yeah, huge. Uh, our club, our club uh, was similar, like even because the later stages were played in Parnell Park. And I remember our manager saying to the lads, I don't want to be outshouted here. So when the free taker was stepping up, they were making plenty of noise and banging on, on the chairs in front of them. But yeah, no, it was great. It was great. It was dancing. It was brilliant to get to be able to get it played. And, and uh, it, I think it was good quality as well. So. Let, let, let's move to Cheltenham then. What are you going to be doing next week, John? You'll be able to watch us, uh, or yeah. are you going to be? You have a new house as well, so you, I presume you'll be set up with uh, a bar in the corner and kind of some <laughs> lad taking bets in the other corner. <laughs> and been, yeah, um, I, yeah. Of the week off work from, I'm, I'm in on Monday and then I'm off then after that. So um, yeah, I'll definitely get to watch it. Uh, it's, a, it's a big. I always take the week off for it. So um, yeah, I'll just watch it the way I normally would. Uh, probably bring a few of my mates and stuff and and uh, yeah just enjoy the, the quality of the racing because it's it's brilliant weekend. what'll it be like for you Don it'll yeah it'll be strange Johnny, not being there but as, as you say I'm, I'm like you I'm, I'm glad I'm not going you know I kind of didn't even think it was a, an option I didn't even think it was a possibility that I was going you know I, I was never really mm. um but yeah it'll, it'll be different for me like um you know, I'll be working, but I'll be working from home. I won't be working from Cheltenham, from the press room at Cheltenham. I'll be working from here, so I'll, I'll enjoy it. Um, I suppose it has been quite a low-key build-up to Cheltenham, but now that we're kind of into it, we're, we're what, we're, you six-day declaration yesterday for the first day, so now we're into the, the final, you know, the, the run-in. So, yeah, look, I'll, I'll enjoy it for sure once it starts. It's just it's been, a, it's been a very different build-up this year. Well, you call it a low-key build-up, but, like, the, the, the irony of that statement is that racing was probably never in the news as much globally from Clare Byrne to CNN as it was last year. What was the week like for you in that regard? Yeah, it was, last it was week, yeah. and strange, I'm sure, like it was for you. Um, yeah, it, was, but it, it wasn't, I suppose, it wasn't about Cheltenham. So that, you know, normally two weeks before Cheltenham, it's all about Cheltenham. It's only about Cheltenham and what's going to run or where they're going to run. And this year, I suppose as well, that we don't have these pre-Cheltenham evenings around the country, so you're not driving down the country to go to a, a pre-Cheltenham evening. So, and there's not the the buzz that that generates as well. And obviously, there were there were different racing headlines last week than we're used to mm. to for Cheltenham. But yeah, it was all very it was all very very strange. I know you've um, you've always been um, kind of a uh, fan of the Gordon Elliott yards, John. But I, I I did get the impression that you thought it was. Um, maybe slightly overblown and um, I, I think the passage of time might agree with you on that as much as the BHA seems to be um, still having an issue with it what did you make of it? Um, yeah look obviously what happened shouldn't have happened uh, it was on Gordon's behalf it was quite crass and um, callous maybe you could use to describe it mm. and I, I, I do think that um, no one would regret it more than Gordon himself. And and look what look at the the sort of fallout from it in terms of the owners and stuff like that. And his sponsorship he's lost. And I just and, and the abuse he's taken on social media. I think I think it's just time for people to maybe just relax about it now and, and move on. Like I'm sure Gordon regrets it so much what, what happened. So um yeah, I d I don't think I don't think there's any need to, to keep bringing it back up to the service. How do you find social media yourself? You don't really use it that much, like, but it, 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 it can come it can come out particularly badly, I think, in a week like that. Yeah, like it was I just said even anecdotally, like people that I know that never watched a horse race in their life or not nothing to do with horse racing or anything are commenting on something. And, and like mm. as I said, it was like national news. Um and, and it can just be like it's people like there's nasty stuff you have to remember this is a person like and I know what he mm. did wrong, but um, I thought it was, it was just maybe some of the abuse he got was undeserved. But again, he have, what he did was was absolutely wrong and distasteful or whatever way you want to describe it. But um, I think social media in that kind of situation can be a little bit over the top. And you you the brief flirtation with uh, social media, Don? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not at all. Johnny. No, I echo a lot of what, what John said. Like it's. It's time to move on. He shouldn't have done it. It was really indefensible what he did. It was really awful. Um, but like 
my own point in all of this is Gordon Elliott could not have achieved the results that he's achieved with horses if they didn't get the best care that they could possibly get in his care. So, like, you know, and, and, and that together with the punishment that he's already received, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's time to move on. And for the staff as well in the yard, it's, it's, it's great that the, the yard can continue under Denise Foster, Sneedy Foster, and uh, what, there are 80, 78 people employed in the yard. Mm. So it's very important for those people and those jobs that it, it continued on. So look, it was correct that he, that he, that he was banned. That was correct, I think. But um, that was John says, time to move on. Yeah, I, I feel as well the people that were, you know, pontificating about animal welfare, they should maybe look at the, the welfare of staff in racing who work very, very hard, very, very long hours and basically do work that um, a lot of people like that live in cities and so forth just wouldn't do. It's it's hard work and they do it for the love of the game. And maybe think more about like the meat that they consume and how those animals are treated um, because horses are looked after arguably better than humans in, in some instances. They're, they're just manicured at the top level. But we're going to go to a break very, very shortly but just before we do quickly lads starting with you Don how's your Cheltenham anti-post book looking it's it's got the usual Johnny the usual mix of good and bad uh, mm. on, on the whole uh, the expected value is probably a bit higher than it started off so that's good so yeah we've got a, a few a few good ones in the book which we'll probably speak about after the break I won't speak too much about, <laughs> about the bad ones because most of them just aren't running uh, so yeah but, um, know well, that feeling. It's looking okay. Yeah, John, you've been raving about Bally Adamson's time immemorial, so you're probably on at a fancy price, yeah? Yeah, he's one. I have a few nice ones, but I don't. I, I don't know. We'll probably touch on it in the in the second part of the show, but um, I don't know. I don't know if he'd be the favourite, but I have him at a nice price. Typical Dublin footballer, completely playing down like a really good situation. Uh, let's go to a short break. And if you are worried that this preview is going to go on for two or three hours because we still haven't talked about horses yet, uh, no, I, trust me, we will be done uh, very shortly. But we're going to last to the four days. Yeah, you're welcome back to The Punt in association with William Hill. Uh, just on the break here, it turns out this is actually, it's explained why I was pretty crap as a, an underage everything and why Don and John and John's son uh, will be all high achievers. Both of you were born in January. Not only that, John. The same academy as John Small. Yeah, you, you were a high achiever. You, were, you, you, got, you got onto the inter-county minor panel. John, you, not only were you born in January, but you somehow timed that uh, young Charlie was born on January 2nd. He was more or less the equivalent of a rugby player hitting it like a yard short of the line for, for a penalty. What, unbelievable stuff. This man's going to play for Dublin. I don't know. Let's see what he wants to do. But yeah, it was good, it was good timing if that is what he wants to do. Yeah, I was saying to the lads there... They've ever read Outliers, it would it would suggest that it's a good time to be born. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, as opposed to November. Anyway, uh, we must appreciate it uh, in terms of the races that's ahead. Let's get straight into it. Start with you, John Small. Um, Bally Adam, I like this horse each way. I like his one behind. Um, appreciate that, the Dublin Racing Festival. We are now on to the Supreme Novices Herd. Let's start off our Cheltenham preview on uh, Tuesday. William Hill goes 11 to 8. Appreciate it. Bally Adam is 5 to 1. What is your take on the race? Uh, I, I, I do think appreciate it very hard to beat. He seems to have a really high cruising speed and gets horses out of the comfort zone very early. Um, Bally Adam, I just don't like appreciate run against horses already beaten so many times. Um, then the English contingent doesn't look great. Like Media is their best hope. The second team there last day was really was hammered in the bet fair. Like I don't know, it's hard to see past appreciate to be honest. Bally Adam, he might. He might run into a place, but I don't see him being the favourite. Don, it's it's interesting because appreciated. Um, he's kind of done very little wrong over hurdles, but as some people would say, he was fairly pushed aside at this meeting last year, which might put a little bit of a doubt in your head. Yeah, like it it depends how good you think Fernie Hollow is, and I think Fernie Hollow is a very could be a, quite a special horse. So it's a shame he's out for the season and <clears throat> wasn't. Yeah, it? At the start of this season, Fernie Hollow was the two miler, and appreciated was the two and a half miler. And we hadn't heard of Gaia Dominion. So, mm. you know, and now Fernie hollows out. So, suddenly appreciate it. In fairness, like he has shown pace to win over two miles, but I just worry that he might get done for, for toe on better ground. And like Bally Adam, he's all pace, isn't he? Like he could, he, although he was beaten by him at Leopardstown over Christmas, or sorry, at the Dublin Racing Festival, um, 
he could get Gordon's horses were more or less out of form I think uh, for the penultimate run and it was much much better at the Dublin Race Festival well that's it and and even then they were just coming back to form you felt mm. he, still, he still had a couple of horses underperformed at the Dublin Racing Festival so um, but yeah I agree with you at Christmas time lots of his horses underperformed and they were better at the, the Dublin Racing Festival so Bally Adam could improve again but uh, I agree with John on, on, the, on the British like Metier like he won a Tolworth hurdle on heavy ground, Soaring Glory won a, a, a Betfair hurdle off a mark of 133. Like, I think they'll probably have to improve to beat the best of the Irish. Blue Lord is interesting in there. I thought Blue Lord was a horse for the for the Ballymore. I thought two and a half mm. months, but he's not settling. Like he, when he ran the Lawler's race at Nace, he didn't settle. When Bob Ollinger, I thought he did very well to finish second behind Bob Ollinger that day. And I just thought if he settled a bit better, maybe with a hood. Over two and a half, we get a faster pace at Cheltenham, even over two and a half. But it looks like he's going for the Supreme, which is interesting. Like Willie Mullins obviously feels that he can be competitive in a Supreme. And obviously the faster pace of a Supreme, that should help settle better, all right. Yeah, I, I, I think appreciated it'll be a drifter on the day. He's one to keep an eye on with Hills. I think you might get a lot bigger than the, the present price. Um, Don, sticking with you, just moving on to the Arkle, um this is a fa- this is a fascinating race. Um, Shishkin Energimin. If you look at the winning distances of Energimin over fences and the fact that he's trained by Willie Mullins, it's hard to believe that he's not favoured. But he's meeting Shishkin. Then you've the the pace angle of the race and all mankind. who was my antipo selection on the Forty Two website. Um, I can't wait for this. Yeah, no, this is a hell of a race. It's the you know the two mile distance. It's the sprint distance of National Hunt Racing, and for novices to be taking each other on over two miles. Um, no, it's it's brilliant. And one's one's trained in Britain and one's trained in Ireland. Uh, one by Nicky Henderson, one by Willie Mullins. So it, you have it all there. And it's just, yeah, I, I just be a little bit worried about an argument on better ground. I know they never have it fast for the first day. I agree. Yeah, the rain forecast. But look, Shishkin, it's, he, he's, he's just done everything, hasn't he? And he's, he's won the Supreme Novice Hurdle. So an argument has never run at Cheltenham. Shishkin has. And... I just thought he, he jumped a little bit to his right as well the last couple of times. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a concern. Like, you can get away with, obviously, Goran Park was right-handed and at Nace, they went around the outside, which so it wasn't a negative to be jumping to your right. But at Cheltenham, you're kind of, you're turning all the time. Like, it's a, it's a turning track. Look at steering for Lawrence last year, like. Yeah, well, exactly. So any, any right-leaning tendencies, they're accentuated at Cheltenham, I think. And, look, I might be wrong, and Willie Mullins or Paul Tennant, they don't seem to be concerned about it. So, um. Look, he's a he's a massively talented horse with a huge engine. I just think in Shishkin he's meeting a, a formidable rival, isn't he? I like Shishkin. I think he'll win. Darver Star, um, if he goes, uh, John Gavin Coleman's horses are coming back into form after a similar kind of sickness blip to Gordon Elliott's. And the horse that was placed in the champion hurdle, you can get forty to one with Hills, um, and you can almost probably forget about his last couple of runs. But um, would you be in the Shishkin camp? Yeah, I, th- I think Shishkin's potentially a superstar. Um, mm. means really good. It's very similar to what Don said. I think that Energamine probably needs a little bit softer and Shishkin can actually improve the ground being better. Um, and I think he'll win. Uh, this is lovely. We are uh, brevity really is the soul of our wit here. No messing about into the champion hurdle. There'll be no messing about here, John, in terms of pace. Uh, this is going to be intriguing in terms of the tactics. Goshen emerged from basically the darkness of what followed his fall in the triumph hurdle last year and some indifferent ones in the flat to absolutely demolish his rivals last time and emerges. Um, I think he was even second favourite briefly. Um, he's actually second favourite with Hills at 130. He's ahead of Epton to the betting. Honeysuckle produced an extraordinary performance at Leopardstown, really where she had a race run about a mile out, which was so- saying something considering it was, it was only a two-mile race. Then you have Sharjah, who has a bit of previous in this race. Saldia might be running here. He's a 66-1 to one chance if he if he should show up. And uh, my selection in the race, who I believe is Don's as well, having read his Sunday Times column. We'll get to that briefly. Are you in the honeysuckle camp, uh, John? Yeah, look, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very hard for anyone to give a horse that quality, the, the allowance she's getting. Um, mm. Like and she and she, that number of like ten wins in a row, um, it's difficult to see. Like she's definitely going to go off favorite. Like I, I was thinking maybe Abercadabra's each way ran so ran like twice a child and was for the bumper, and obviously that that run was Shishkin last year. Um, ten lengths to make up. I think he'll run a bit better, and he he'll probably get four place on the day. So I might do Abercadabra's each way, but I think Honeysuckle's most likely will. 
I hear a, a kind of a klaxon or some sort of a warning alarm going off in the background, Don, because we're all in the camp of a horse mm -hmm. who basically is, is is probably something of a rogue and his fourth favourite and has gone on a losing streak that even I couldn't match, yet you like him as well, Abacadabras. Yeah, he's the horse who ran out in the bumper at Leopardstown there a couple of years ago behind Envalem. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been born in December if he were if he were a Gaelic football player. <laughs> yeah. But no, like I, I echo a lot of what John said. Look, Honeysuckle, she's unbelievable. Like you have to love Honeysuckle, really, and Rachel Blackmore, and you'd love to see her winning a champion hurdle. She won the Merits hurdle last year over two and a half. I thought she was a two and a half miler. I thought that was her trip until the Irish champion hurdle this year when she just, like the way she quickened at the third last, picked her ears, pinged the second last, and then just went further and further away. It was a remarkable performance, I thought. So, look, it's great that she's going for the champion this year. She gets the seven pounds allowance, like the fan, as John was saying. So, yeah, look, she's, I think, I think she's, I think it's, it's right that she's favourite in front of Epitan for all that Epitan is the reigning champion. She has to bounce back from her Christmas hurdle run. I'm sure she will, but I just think Honeysuckle might have improved past her. But Abigail is, is, is the value for me. Like his, his run in mm. this hurdle last year was, it was a remarkable run because. He didn't have the run of the race. He was left in front too early with the Shemozel at the second last. And look, Shishkin was under pressure earlier than him and he did very well to get back up and beat him. But he like if you watch it again, Shishkin went actually past him halfway up the running and he was coming back at him going to the line. So I don't subscribe to the notion that he didn't get up the hill. I thought he just got lonely in front. And if it can be... Agree. You know, if it can get, get there with a well-timed run, which I'm sure he will be delivered with a well-timed run by Jack Kennedy... That, that could be, it just could be that potent turn of foot that he has on better ground, better ground than he encountered the last day at Leopardstown. Plus, Honeysuckle went clear and he had to do all his running to try and reel her in, whereas in the champion hurdle, you'd imagine he'd have other horses around him that might tow him into the race better. So, yeah, I, I just think he's, I think whatever, whatever has nine to one about him, I think that's bigger than it should be. And he was bigger a few days earlier. Cast your mind back to the Cheltenham of last year, 12 months ago. You and I were there. We spoke about it at the time. We were like, this is the weirdest Cheltenham ever in terms of the vibe. But then this year came along. There's nobody there. It's probably weirder. What price did Shishkin go off, do you remember, in the Supreme? Um, 13 to 2, 6 to 1. 6 to 1. What six? price did Abacadabras go off? Um, Shorter, I'd say. 11 to 4. Yeah. Yeah. There was a massive gamble on him and Shishkin drifted like an absolute barge. And I'm just, you do kind of try to anticipate these Cheltenham gambles. I think Abacadabras would be very popular, um, even though John thinks Honeysuckle would definitely go off favourite. I think it's going to be fascinating. While you're there, Don, um, I was talking to John before the show and I was like, we're on about the dilution of races at Cheltenham. I was like, oh yeah, sure. The, I always preferred the three-day festival, didn't you know, like yourself. And then I was like, do you even remember the three-day festival? And he said only vaguely, which kind of um, was quite depressing because I'm actually now 10 years older than him. Um, so the three-day festival, the four-day festival, you and I can certainly remember the three-day festival. I'm going to ask you, Don, for your uh, other selections, if you have them on day one. I'm going to give Zafanian in the Fred Winter. I love the way he travels that nace, um, and 130 is quite a nice mark. We have also the National Hunt Chase. We have, uh, obviously, I mentioned the Fred Winter. We have the Mayor's Hurdle as well, and we have the Ultima. Yeah, I... I hope Coco Beach runs in the National Hunt Chase because the, he wasn't going to go for it. I think he, after he, he won the 10-up chase, he was the, said he was going for the Irish National, but he was left in yesterday and he was left in the Ultima as well. He's rated 150, so like Royal Pagal, it looks like he's going to run in the National Hunt Chase and he sets the standard. He could he could be a Gold Cup horse if they ran him in that. Like He'd only be, what, third or fourth favourite for the Gold Cup if he, if he ran in that. So he's a mm -hmm. player. But Coco Beach is rated 150. He jumped so well and win the Teestes. I think going into a National Hunt Chase on a mark of 150, that's a good mark. Whereas if we were to run in an Ultima off 150, it's hard to win an Ultima off that type of handicap rating. So if he runs in the National Hunt Chase, then he'd be what I'd want there. Um, look, it's, it's hard to see beyond Concertista, I think, in the Mayor's Herd. It looks like Roxana's going to go there as well. So that's good. It'll be, a, it'll be a good race between the two of them. Down the company, she's switching back from fences back to hurdles as well for the Mayor's Herd. But Concertista was so good last year in the, the Mare's Novices hurdle. She seems to have improved this year. She gets two and a half miles well as well. So I think she's the right favourite for that. But um, no, the Co Coco Beach would be my other alternative in, on, on the first day if he goes for the National Hunt Chase, not the ultimate. 
and the boy Smalley, you were you were probably like uh, an under twelve winding up opposition forwards when it was a three day festival, <laughs> were you? Well, what what year was the three day festival? When did you move? When did it actually change, Don? Um, it's a while ago. I'd say was it? I'm saying about fifteen years off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand five. Was it? Um, because because they they got rid of the cat cart. That they entered mm. whatever four or five more races, and they got rid of the cat cart. And I think the Carl Hurdle was in before that already. So yeah, like it's um, I I I I think that like just on 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 age and stuff. I was talking last night somebody else about when we were talking about Shishkin and um an argument. I was saying it's kind of like Bob's line and Noddy's right. Um, yeah, even even I don't remember them. Uh, let's yeah, get to yeah, let's yeah. get to former under fourteen winder up of forward Sean Small. What are your other bets for the Tuesday? Uh, I actually I kind of a little bit disagree with Dono. I I, I I thought that Roxana was actually good value against Concertis. Like the, she has all the form in the book. Like she was only beaten less than two lengths by Paisley Park at Time Hill. I know it's on, it was over a different distance, but then she's also beaten Next Destination over hurdles. It's kind of a case of proven form versus potential. And I thought I'd probably rather back Roxana at the bigger price, three, three times the price of Concierge. Don? Yeah, no, I, I, look, I think Roxana, she's a very good horse. I just wonder, is, is two and a half miles going to be in the sharp side for her? You know, she's she, a lot of her good form is over three miles. She stays three miles well. And look, she's, but she has won a Mary's hurdle. I know she won it. She was a bit fortuitous in winning it, but she has won one. And yeah, no, she's, I think she's Constantine's main danger. I, I think Great White Shark, wherever she runs, has run very well on the much better ground. I think the Galmoy was an absolute bog. You can forget about that. Any horse wins. To me, if you have good flat horses like that that can win Premier Handicaps, they don't want bottomless ground. She's not bred for it. But like, she has like three options maybe over the week. She's in one of the handicaps. Um, and she's in the stairs race as well. So it'd be interesting where she goes. Keep an eye out for the Great White Shark. On to the Ballymore Novice Hurdle. Um Don, having a bit of banter with the lads um, in another preview night where it was suggested that Bob Ollinger was actually supposed to be called Bollinger, but they just basically made a bit of a mess of it. So whatever you want to call him, Bob Olinger or Bob Ollinger, does he win the Ballymore to start off day two? Yeah, I think so. I think he's the one they have to beat. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, as well as his form, and his form is very good, it's it's the regard in which he, he appears to have been held always by Henry de Bravhead and his team. He just... Mm-hmm. Seem to love this horse, don't they? And to to get as close as he got to Fernie Hollow, <clears throat> we talked about Fernie Hollow earlier on. I think that was a big run over two miles, which is probably short of his best. Then he did yep. in his main, and then his run the last day in the the, the Lawless of Nace Hotel race. That was a very good run. Like I know Blue Lord was a bit keen early on, but he just quickened and, and beat him and jumped well enough. And there just seems to be a very strong vibe from him as well. So <clears throat> I think I think this is tripping. I don't think he's he's confirmed yet for the Ballymore. I think Kenny DeBrahmet is still thinking about the Supreme. But mm-hmm. uh, when a, I don't know what you think, Johnny. But when a when a horse gets a trip and he does get two and a half miles, even if he has pace, like he has pace enough to get to within the length of Fernie Hollow over two miles, I still think that the longer trip is probably relative to the opposition the better trip for him. Well, as well as that, I think it's it's a major plus in terms of his chance because if you have the, the speed that he thinks you can compete in, what clearly is a deeper supreme. I mean, I don't know how you could look at it and say it isn't because um, maybe you guys don't think the British Challenge is that good, but I still think... Um, Still think John Joe's horse and Meteor are very interesting in terms of the upward progression they have and, and the speed that Meteor has off the flat. There's no doubt Bob Ollinger will get this trip easily. He'll probably get three miles. So if he if he thinks he's fast enough, um that's important. If you if you've if you've the speed to basically quicken away from the second last year under a ride in which you're almost certain to be well placed, um, I think that's a positive. John, I, I like this horse. I'm just a bit surprised maybe at how short he's become, but I think Jamie Codd and David Russell have been singing um, his praises of late. Yeah, the race kind of revolves around the three at the head of the market. Um, mm. I, I actually thought I like Brave Man's game. I thought, I thought he's the biggest price of the three. I thought his run in the shallow was very good. Like if Star, he beat Stargate by 10 lengths, if Stargate was run this, he'd probably be fourth favourite. Um, Paul Nichols seems to think he's a really, really good horse. Obviously, keeps the comparison with Denman. He might he might need a step up and trip, but I thought he was probably the value against the two of the, the William Mullins and the Bromhead horse. 
It's all about the value. And for me, as much as I think Shackin, first of all, is the most likely winner of the Queen Mother, Altior 13 to 2 each way is a far better bet for me, John. Um, obviously, the, the the British they do love a story of a, a horse coming back, and you know he's had a bit of a bit of a checkered year or so. Obviously, his comeback run wasn't that bad, I thought. But it, Nicky Innocent trains his horse for Cheltenham. He was in a controversy earlier in the season about the way he was treating this horse in terms of not running him um, earlier on, and I didn't think his comeback run was that bad. The vibes are good out the yard. Shaq and Pursuas still has to prove he, he has to get up the hill. He's a ten to eleven favourite. Um, if you're laying bets uh, by your bar in your house next week in in, in the north side of Dublin, are you laying? even money this shack and are you backing him at 10 to 11? Oh, as you said he's definitely the most likely winner like he was so impressive the last day um, but his LTR is, is decent value he's, he's 11 years of age though and he's, he's probably on, on a decline he hasn't like, I know you said his comeback run wasn't that bad it was like it wasn't it wouldn't have filled you with massive confidence either mm. um, I th- yeah I think I think Shaq and Bersois will win I was just on another point going back to what you said earlier. I think it, it, I think it's kind of frustrating the amount of short price, price favourites at Cheltenham this year. Like the, it's kind, it's it's. I can't remember. Like again, anecdotally, that there's been so many short price favourites in all the Grade One races. Yeah, we've we've another one to talk about as well in in the form of of Monkfish, who's, who's who's running on the same day. But I guess the point here, Don, which is. Um, you know, we we should have championship races when you're like, God, you know, you have five or six horses here with a, with a really good chance. And maybe we do have some exceptional horses this season. But for me, all this diluting of races, bringing in mares to, to stick to their own grade where they can be sent off odds on and win a race three or four times in a row, it's completely the antithesis to what Cheltenham should be to me. But yeah, I would argue, Don, maybe they're more likely to go five days than three. I, th- I think that's absolutely right, Tony, which is regrettable, but it's, it's going like commercially... You can see the argument, but it's uh, like at, at some point you're going to stretch the elastic band too far. Mm. It's mm. not, like you have the magic of Cheltenham now, and I'm a firm believer in if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Uh, like if you if you if you go to five, like if if you go to five days, and there are the argument is that well, there are 28 races now. You only need to add two races for five days, six races. Mm. And the races are already lining up. Might as well turn into Galway Stall at that stage. Yeah, like it just and, and if you if you took like for example, if you took out the Ryanair chase, like you'd have Alaho going for maybe a Gold Cup. You'd have Min, maybe I don't know Min and Mellon either Champion Chase or Gold Cup. Um, if you had no Mares Hurdle, you'd have Concertista probably in the Champion Hurdle. You know, so just to what, what John was saying on the short price favourites. If you had those horses in those races, the favourites wouldn't be as short as they are, obviously. Jack and Porcelain, no. yes or no? Um, I'm a I'm a put the kettle on fan. I think she's yeah. I just think back at Cheltenham. She's three for three at Cheltenham on that course on the old course, back on better ground. I just think I don't think she got the credit she should have got for winning the Arca last year. She was a big price winner, and I think people kind of put it down as a fluke. But she and Fakir Duderis came miles clear of the rest. And I just think she's an underrated horse. I think back at Cheltenham, we see a different horse. Back at Cheltenham, on better ground. It was soft ground when she won the Arca last year. Better ground, I think she'll improve again. I think it's, it looks like she's going to go for this instead of the Mare's Chase, which I think is right, because two miles is a trip. And yeah, I, I, I think, um, talking about, as you say, Johnny, she, he, he hasn't run at Cheltenham before, so we just don't know. And when you're looking at a short-priced horse like that, you, you're looking for reasons why he might not win. And that's one reason why he might not win. Like, he might. He could power up the hill. It could be the making of him. He could be even better at Chapman than he is at Leopardstown. But we don't know that he's that he can do it yet. Um, hopefully he gets there because, as you know, he was ruled out in the morning of the race last year. So hopefully he does get there everything as well with him when he runs because then then we'll know. But I think I think put the kettle on is the value of the race. If, 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 if put the kettle on wins the champion chase, I, I will not only... I haven't had you and Rachel over for dinner, but I'll bring you and Rachel and the entire kids, the whole, entire family out to your favourite restaurants and then buy you all your, your the, the meal of your choice. You have to wait for level not, two or level one, Johnny. That's going to be a Yeah, I know. No, no deadline on that, but um, mark my words, I'll bring you all out because that is not okay. going to happen. Or if it is, I literally drop my pants and whatever. Not in the restaurant, obviously. Um, John, uh, you know, this... Oh, sorry, sorry for a cut. If it was soft for... Um, I did think obviously first row was really impressive. The mm. lad, play a lot. Like he's won the places. Like I think that's he, if it did get soft, he's a great each way chance. 
Well, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because yeah, it's interesting because it, first row is probably a bit like put the kettle on in that they're not possibly getting the credit they deserve, and uh, he was a big prize first row the last against Blitlaw, but there wasn't really any fluke about it. Monkfish for me is probably the greatest certainty of all time in the Brown Advisory novice Chase John, uh, otherwise known as the artist formerly known as the RSA Chase. I love this horse. Can he be beaten? No, I think like whatever he is now with William Hill eight to eleven, I, I think he definitely will go off at one to two or shorter. I think. I, I think he, He's beat, he's running against horses already beaten, uh, and he's getting better and better. I, I actually I told you the other day I backed him to win the Gold Cup for twenty twenty two. So if I think he's winning that, he should be winning this. Yeah, we'll we'll have a chat about Gold Cup twenty two for the what, end. What, as well. what price did you back with John for next year's Gold Cup? Interesting. Uh, Fourteen to one. Yeah, that's interesting. That's yeah. Cool. Well, if you if you if you Dutch him and envoy Elaine, um, I don't think you can go too far wrong. No. I, yeah, but this is what I'm saying. Could you imagine if they were taking each other on over three miles or if Ben Boy Allen went back to two miles? Imagine he was running against Shishkin and then it would mean what a race you'd have there. Like it's just Exa- this is exactly the point because you, I mean having three novice chases, not to mind the kind of keeping the mares apart, it's just not right. Don, I, I imagine you're not opposing monkfish and while you're there, you might as well give us something else for day two. Um, no, I'm not opposing monkfish. Um yeah, look he's <clears throat> Like what he did last year, I thought was just the the, the he was keen through the through the, through the Albert Bartlett hurdle, and then when Fury Road and latest exhibition came either side of him, he battled on again, and I thought that was a phenomenal performance. And he jumps fences mm. well, you know, he's spectacularly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, forty to one the next year's Gold Cup. I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw that one away, John. Uh, <laughs> so also on day two, we have the Coral Cup. Uh, we have the bumper. Cross country chase, so it's kind of doubts. Another sign of social media at its worst. A fake account set up suggesting Easy Land wasn't going to run. We have the grand annual as well, John. What do you like? Yeah, um, I don't have huge opinions on any of those races, really. I think the bumper is fascinating, obviously. Mm. What, do, what do you make of Kilcrush? It's easy flattered by the last day. I, I, it was interesting reading Patrick Mullins. Uh, I think it was his column afterwards, and I was like, I'm not sure Patrick thought he was going to win like that. And he, he, he had the odd doubt. And I think they fell, they fell into his lap a bit in this race. So I, I'm, I'm open minded. They, they went fast, didn't they? And mm. in the back of your head was that didn't I think Willie thought Ramirez was the best. Yeah. And Patrick wanted to ride Kilcourt. Now the market followed Patrick, so that was significant as well. And he was. I mean, he was seriously impressive visually. But no, I, I agree with that. I think there's a wee chance that he might have been flattered. Look, he could still win a champion bumper, but I just I think he's priced up on that performance. And there's a because they went so fast early on, he just might have been flattered a little bit by by the visuals of it. You know, Don Small. Uh, I think the, didn't he didn't he beat Bally Khan that won there the other day for Gordon as well or for Gordon? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I think Sir Gerrard is very good um, and it would, I'd say, totally depend on price who would be backing between the two. Um, the, as Don said, they seem to go very fast and he kind of picked up a piece the last day, Kilcrush. Um, I think Sir Gerrard is very good. Though I, I probably, they're, they're coming together closer in the market now, but I'd say I'd back the bigger the two on the day. Uh, uh, and Anthony, that's for you on day two? I backed uh, I backed Kashari for the Carl Cup, a uh, nice price a few weeks ago. I backed him straight after he um, he ran at Leperstown the last day. He was sixth. He kind of made a mistake on this the third or fourth, and then he, he town Paul Town didn't give him a hard time, and he, he ran home very well. So I said I back in the next day, and this all he's in the Carl Cup. Excellent, such a modest man. Back to him at a nice price. You won't even, won't even <laughs> reveal the value that you got. Um, are you on Envoy Alain at a nice price? He is the star attraction for me on day three. Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't. But I don't see anything being able to beat him. I think actually that's probably the weakest of the um, of the novice chases, and I think he'll he'll win. But again, he's not going to show us anything he hasn't showed us already. Um, the, the English horse seem to be weak enough as well, so I, I, I think he just wins. It was interesting, Don. I was, I was watching. There was a, there was a three mile novice chase at Catholic on the other day, and there was a horse sent off one to twelve. And I was like, "What does it take to back a horse in a three mile novice chase at one to twelve? So obviously he can't remount, so he has to get over. And what price is he fence per fence? And would you have that bet? You're getting eight to eleven on a horse here who just has to get around over two and a half miles. Yeah, that's very yeah, yeah. That's a like there are there are there are occasions on which odds on is value. There aren't many there, but there are occasions mm. on where one to twelve but any horse or a novice chaser or a catholic 
Is that, did it win, by the way? Did it win? It did. It did yeah. win. Oh, good. It was value. Yeah. It was value. Yeah, I love that phrase. It was value. Yeah. Sales at four to um, six. But it came up. It was value at four to six. If, um, if it wins, it's value. And and this lad, to be fair, he's, he's breathtaking. Oh yeah, no, he's he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Like he does everything. He does he, he does it easily. And even when he had to battle in the bumper last year, he could battle. No, he's he's a phenomenon, really. And uh, yeah, for, you know, not that you want to be <clears throat> wishing away another year of your life, but if if he and Monkfish happened to meet in a, in a Gold Cup in twelve months' time, please God, that'd be some tussle, wouldn't it? If they both arrive healthy and well. Ryanair Park, or sorry, the Ryanair and Stairs Hurdle, and um, your two selections there. Yeah, uh, the Ryanair. I think this is this is one of the most interesting races of the week. It's not the the Gold Cup or the Champion Hurdle, but I think a lot of different strands are coming together. Like the three Willie Mullins horses, Alahome in and Mellon, who's going to ride what? Um, Mister Fisher's in there and better, really better. And I think. Matthew Daenerys, if he goes here, I think he could be the underrated one. He again, the arc the arc of form of last year, I, I think it's underrated. He would have got closer to put the kettle on had he not made a pretty bad mistake with the second last fence. And this year, he got beaten by Notebook on his debut, but and then he ran in the Savills Chase over three miles, which he was actually travelling quite well for a long way. He and Apuletar made their ground, and he just his stamina just ran out. And Mark Walsh pulled him up after the second last pitch was wise. And then last time back over two miles or two miles, one and a half furlongs, he gave Shaka Persuad a little bit of a race. He finished second to him yeah. in notebook. So I just think that back to two and a half miles, he won a Drinmore chase over two and a half. I know Sam Crow fell at the second last fence that day. Might have beat him anyway. Yeah, I, in hindsight, he probably would. Um, and he's got good Chatham Festival form as well. Obviously, at the, in the arc, he finished fourth in the Supreme Novices Hurdle as a four-year-old. He won a hurdle, a novice hurdle, the juvenile hurdle there in January of that year. It was juvenile year. So he's a horse. He's pretty battle hardened, but I think a goodish ground, good to soft ground over two and a half miles at Cheltenham, that should suit him really well. And I, yeah, I think he's overpriced in the Rhino. Stairs hurdle? Stairs hurdle. Um, Fury Road was my horse for the stairs hurdle. I'm not sure he's going to go there now because after the Boyne hurdle, when he got beaten by Beacon Edge, the, the trainer said he wasn't going to go. The owner said he was. So hopefully he goes because like Time Hill and Paisley Park, it's all, you know, everyone's a Time Hill or Paisley Park fan. Time Hill finished behind Fury Road in the Albert Park I heard last year and he's a 3-1 to mm-hmm. one, Fury Road's a 16-1 to one shot. I think that's the wrong way around. Well, much. It was... It was interesting to Davy Russell um, talking about how, how well his horse works and he's a great nick. And your point about what the trainer said after uh, the Boyne Hurdle doesn't matter anymore because he doesn't train the horse anymore. So I imagine he will be going to Cheltenham. John, what do you like in the big two on the Thursday? Um, I, I like Mr. Fisher in the Ryanair. Uh, I was impressed with him the last day at Cheltenham in December. Uh, he beat Clash the Cough, giving him three pound. Um, and that's the Ryanair has definitely been his aim um, for the year. So I think I think he's a bit of value. Um, and in the stairs, I, I don't have a huge opinion. Like Donald Fury Road, considering how well he went ran last year in the Albert Bartlett. And then I was looking at um, Linnegar Oscar. You can get a 21 to 1. And I was thinking maybe doing each way. Like I, I don't know. I think if Paisley Park came back to his best, he'd probably win it. But probably look something for a, at a bigger price than that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's quite open. We also have the Kim Muir, the Mayor's Novice Hurdle uh, place. Uh, and the per temps on day two, I, the, the mayor's arms hurdle is actually very interesting because the weights of the race give Royal Kahala a very good chance in theory of reversing form of Rosie's Hollow from Fairy House. But I think one of them has a great chance of that. And for you on day three, Don, uh, John, yeah, otherwise, Hollow, Johnny, like, yeah, I, I was I'm a Rosie's Hollow fan, I thought she was very good the last day, but I don't think Royal Kahala traveled with her usual mm. birth for the mm. ring. And say about the way she was giving her four pounds, or she was giving her five pounds, and she was getting four, or she was giving her five or four. And she's Seven getting... pound swing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think like she's got a serious turn of foot. Now I know she's been at fairy. It's it's, it's all been deployed at fairy house. We don't know how she's going to get on the channel, but we don't know how any of them are going to get on the channel really. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think she's in Rose's Hollow. Is I think coming back down to two miles will suit her. Mark Walsh and Jonathan Sweeney both thought after the Salarina hurdle that. Back to two miles, two and a quarter. So back to two miles would suit her better. But I think Royal Kahala getting weight if she runs a race, then yeah, I think she's probably the one there. All right. Very briefly, Anton Nelson day three. 
Uh, the pretense final, I think Linwood Gold is interesting. He stayed on really well the last day to finish sixth in the Punchestan qualifier, which has produced Maldini uh, presenting Percy. Delta Workdale went on to win the final from that race. That was his first run since he ran in the Cesarewicz at Newmarket. He's mm. ready in the 90s as a flat horse. He stayed the three-mile trip well. If that race brings him forward a little bit, then, yeah, he's only he's four pounds higher in Britain than he is in Ireland. He's 134 in Britain, so that's fair enough. Um, the boss's Oscar are like him, but he's got he got eight pounds more. He's 151, so I think he'll run a, run a big race, but that just, just makes it a bit harder than it would have been if he got three or four instead of eight. John? Um... I did Shantou Flyer in the Kim Muir. Really, really good record around Cheltenham. Um, 11th on 7th is what he's carrying. I, I backed him each way. Um, and that's really all I have for the Thursday. Right, let's get on to the Friday then. My, my best selection so far for the uh, 42 viewers uh, and readers um, in the Antipost column is Tritonic at 12s for the Triumph. Um, now he's uh, he's one of my best of festival Don to be honest I think he's he, if he were on the flat he'd be getting a lot of weight on Santa here I know that doesn't translate but I can't pick a hole in this horse at all um, will he beat Santa here and surely one of them wins it yeah look yeah, I absolutely see the case for Titanic he's 19, rated 99 in the flats so a high class flat horse coming jumping and he did well to win at Ascot the first day and then I thought he did even better the last day in the Adonis hurdle when the track wouldn't have suited him, but his stamina kicked in over the final two flights and he, he lucky was very impressive. So, yeah, I, I am surprised he's favourite in front of Zanahir, though. Like Zanahir was so good off a fast pace at the Ferry House and then off a slow pace. Slow pace at Leverson, yeah. He did it again. So, look, he's, he, like, he was very good at Ferry House off the fast pace, which is probably what he'll get. I think he won despite the pace the last day. So, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a tussle between the two of them. I think Calixios might be underrated, though, because, you know, there was talk about him going for the Fred Winter when they were both trained by Gordon Elliott, but now they're obviously in different yards, so it looks like Calixios might go for the Triumph Hurdle, and he was very good in the Spring Hurdle as well. Yeah, you wouldn't want uh, to see Gordon Elliott's face if Calixios does Zanahir uh, on the line, basically, but what's your good buddy Keith Donahue telling you about these two, John? Um... That might be similar to you, Johnny. I think Tritonic has a, has a really good chance. I was really impressed with the last thing, Donis. Um, uh, yeah, like, Colixia's probably the value. Like, you, you get the two at the head of the market, kind of two to one, nine to four. You probably have 11 to two, six to one around Colixia's. Uh, could be the way you might play it, but mm. I, think that, I think that Tritonic is the most likely winner. I thought he was really, really good the last day, as you said. Right, 99, the flash. Um, yeah, I thought he, think he's the most likely winner. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And um, just looking at the Albert Bartlett now, Vanillier, big, big price. I think he'll outrun his odds for Gavin Cromwell if he sends him there. Do you, are you in the Stafford camp? He's hard to knock. Uh, no, I'm back for Kira for that. Um, Wouldn't be alone uh, there. Yeah, back to him. Um, just out and out stare. Uh, I think, well, I know the, la the last two years, not as much. You had, you had Monkfish won it and um, Manella in though, and they were kind of progressive. But like typically, you might want a horse that's kind of stay all day and a bit more bald hardened. Um I back through the lane. I don't think he's gonna go as well. So um yeah, that's that's why that's why I backed in the race. Don McLean. Yeah, like after the the Nathaniel Lacey race at Leopardstown, I thought like John, I thought Fakir was the one. Um, but as you say, Johnny, everybody else thought that as well. I thought he'd be a bit under mm. the radar. He's over the radar. Uh, I thought Tory Graf, look, he's not, a, he's not a flashy horse or anything, but he was a massive price after he won the race at Monkfish one last year before going on to win it. And he's like, listen to Jack Kennedy talking about him afterwards. He's, he doesn't do anything at home, apparently. He's just, just dig down deep. And that's the type of horse in most years, exactly as John was saying, in most years, that's the type of horse you want for an Albert Barton. It's a real dour stamina test for novices. So you want something that's going to be is gutsy and determined rather than classy and flashy and, and, and Toreograph is that but he's, he's an 8 to 1 shot now which is it's, it's short enough you know I thought he'd be for a kind of a an under underrated largely unfashionable horse I thought he'd be a bigger price in general than he was but no I think 8 to 1 is about right about it We'll finish up on the Gold Cup. So prior to that, we'll talk just briefly, if you have anything else, on what is a fairly busy day five. Do remember to gamble responsibly. This is a week in which things can just be so hectic that, um, you know, you have to keep on top of things. Do remember to gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net. We also have the county hurdle. Uh, we also have... 
one of the new races, obviously the Mayor's Chase, in which Ellie May looks like she's going to be a short price favourite. The Martin Pipe, in which a lot of these kind of multiple entries done, and I guess you are kind of waiting to see where horses go because because of the multiple entries. Yeah, the Martin Pipe's tricky. Um, the the um, and we have the Hunter's Chase as well. Yeah, Hunter's Chase with professional riders riding in the Hunter's. Mm. Um, Blue Lord, if he goes for the county hurdle, I think he's interesting. But in the Mare's Chase, I'd look, Ellie May, I think she's the right favourite. She was very good in winning the Opera Hat Chase last time. But I think Shattered Love is a bit underrated. Like she, like Ellie May in the Opera Hat Chase, the, the two-mile trip of that race would have been way too short for her. Mm-hmm. Probably too short for Ellie May as well. So Ellie May's over her optimum trip. But I think Shattered Love is over her optimum trip as well. And that was her first run since she ran over hurdles in the, the race. I think it was the race floor in Porto one. So that was a that was her first run back after a short break. Like she's ten years old now, but she she won the the race at Clonmel that she won last year, the Mayor's race, really impressively this year. She'd be cabaret queen by ten lengths by an easy ten lengths. So I think that suggests that she's in at least a good of form this year. She has been, and but she's running in an Irish Grand National. She's running a Chatham Gold Cup, but I still two still think two and a half miles of her trip, and she won the JLT Chase as a novice over this course and distance on the new course as well so the exact same course and I think yeah I th- this is this, you'd imagine that as soon as this race was announced this has been her target since since then so yeah I wouldn't be surprised to see Shadow Lover on the big race 100% and she was so impressive that day as an obvious as well despite clouding the last John Small uh, I backed Salia for the county uh, top weight interesting but, uh, if he runs he has other options as well yeah exactly loads of them are double entering and stuff so um yeah, I just, I just think if you like, if you go back in his old form, like the day he was going to be as far as the land and, and stuff, um, I thought he was interesting. Uh, and he's obviously ran really poorly, but I'd say he, he could have been targeted at something like the county. So um, if, if, if he doesn't go for the champion hurdle, I think he'd be interested in the county hurdle. We just one word on this before this, we're jumping the gun here. Who wins the Gold Cup in 2022, John Swall? Monkfish. <laughs> Don McLean. <laughs> um, that's tough. It depends how to bet. How would you bet on on looking so right. much? Uh, and and the twenty twenty one Chatham Gold Cup winner, whoever that may be. Yeah, you see, like, could you do it four times in a row? Because this brings us on to the twenty twenty one Gold Cup. Because for a horse, I I was I started getting into racing around the days of Best Mate. There was so much hype about Best Mate, and um, maybe the fact that you know Jim Lewis, his owner, the Villa connection, or whatever, and uh, you know he, he was just really popular. So little by comparison, about album photo, he's 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 kind of treated. He, he gets the hype, I'd say, of a horse that's like. Um, that kind of runs well in champion hurdles. You know, he just doesn't have the hype, whatever it is. Maybe it's the Tremor factor. Maybe it's the fact that he was somewhat unheralded when he won it and wasn't exactly a short price in 2020. Um, I like Champ, actually, to make a long story short on. I think the, I loved his comeback run at Newbury. I think Nicky Henderson has either stumbled upon or, or actually designed a great uh, seasonal prep for him. Um, it's going to be a fascinating race. Yeah, no, it is. And, and like you, I, I kind of had Champ written off because we hadn't seen him since the RSA. And, Wind operation. Yeah, and he jumped early in the RSA. I, think it was, I thought it was a master task by Barry Garrity to get him up. But then when he came back, like that run in the game spirit, like that was exactly, I agree with you, Johnny, completely. It was a really, really good run. He jumped very well. He jumped at two-mile pace. He was only just beaten by So Royal as a good horse himself, 160-odd rated horse and racing over his afternoon trip. Yeah, like he, that's that's put him into the picture. He's, he really is a player now in the Gold Cup, whereas before that run, I didn't really have him in it. I kind of had album photo as the standard setter, and then Aplutard and Manella in those, the two who could get up to that level. And You did tip Aplutard, um, obviously, when he won at Leopardstown in that memorable finish, and I imagine you've been loyal with him. I think you have been loyal in the Sunday Times column as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think he's, he's very interesting, Johnny. Like, he won the Close Brothers chase by what, 12 or 14 lengths at Cheltenham. So he's got Cheltenham Festival for him. He didn't, he, he didn't run really well in the Ryanair chase last year. He just, Rachel Blackmore just seemed to be niggling him along a little bit the whole way. And afterwards, I think she said that he just was a little bit flat. He didn't travel with the usual, uh, the usual verb that he normally shows. Mm. And also he said, uh, he did run that, and like this is easy in hindsight, but he did run that day as if a step up and trip might suit him. So the step up in trip for the Savills chase 
he, he obviously saw that out well under a really good ride from Darrow O'Keefe. He he hit the line hard and he like he hit the line like a horse who stayed the trip well and who could get the extra two and a half hours of a Gold Cup and who could even improve for that. So I and he's a seven year old like. You know, Sizing John was seven, Carter Star was seven when he won his first best mate was seven, or Alvin Photo was seven. You know, it's a it's a good age, I think, for a, a a coming horse, a horse who could maybe progress by more than the market can can assess. So yeah, I think I think he's the value. I think there's look he has to improve to get up to Alvin Photo's level, but I think there's every chance he can. And I agree with you fully on Alvin Photo. Like he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Like he's going he's now he's already in an elite group having won two gold cups. Mm. I'm a third. I think it's because we we don't see him very often. I know we didn't see Bassmet mm. very often either, but we saw Bassmet more often. Like literally, Alvin Footer runs with Tremor, wins the Gold Cup. That's what mm. he does. And you can't knock it. It works. It's a it's a great formula. Is it who wins the Gold Cup, John? That, like even his RSA run, when he present, he obviously came down, but presenting Percy was was going to beat him mm. out of the mm. So like it's like he's he's not he's not considered like a a superstar. I know late developer maybe. Yeah, like he, he was never talked about, like say, like a, a fish is now or or an envoy. Allen. He was kind of like, like presenting Percy was talked about that way, and now it's got and he's mm. got, do you know? Does he win the Gold Cup? Album photo. Uh, he, he obviously, as Don says, the standard setter. I, I don't know if I'd be backing him at that price again to do three in a row. It's, it's nice prep. Um, I actually I probably think I'm mad. Uh, I think uh, I, I probably think Santini is, isn't bad value at 16 to 1. Mm. Like a Chel- he's never been out of the place since a Cheltenham. Um, obviously, hasn't ran well this year, but you're going to have Native River there. It's gonna, he's going to bow long front, make it a test. Like last year, they went slow and he was only beating a neck. Like you're getting, three, you're getting more than three times the price. I just mm. think he's not bad value to, to back each way. Um, and this is obviously the aim all year. And yeah, you I like a horse like that that's gonna stay and, and just an old boat like. He's a he's a horse that's broken my heart on more than one occasion. Um but let's get naps off you lads. And thanks to everyone for watching and listening. Um but before we do finish up, John, if Desi Farrell texts you on Tuesday and he's not worried about training around and he's like, give us something for children, even if not today over the course of the week, what do you text him back? I'm busy or will you text him a tape? <laughs> <laughs> Probably say I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think Kashari is a really good chance in the Carl Cup. Yeah. Interesting, Don. Yeah. I've been trying the Gold Cup. Lads, thanks a million for that. I'll give my my nap of the festival uh, is Tritonic actually in Triumphal. Um just I I can't see Calixios beating him. I think Zana here is the danger, but I I love that this horse could improve another stone from the last day. He's just developing with from run to run. Love his stallion, see the moon, sire of all mankind. I think he gets very genuine horses, but this horse has so much pace as well. If he's close at the last, him and Zana here, I think he just outstay him, outclass him, whatever it is. Remember, he'd be given about £20 in the flat and I think it does translate in a sense because basically this horse is, is only getting better over hurdles. Um, and enjoy the week, lads. You too, yeah. He's yeah, got visions of John Small now at, at the, the, the purpose-built bar in his house, social distancing <laughs> and, and doing all of that and laying bets. Um, you'll be watching the punt brought to you by William Hill uh, on the fortitude.e and do remember that we'll have all that Cheltenham coverage from start to finish next week. Thanks to Don and thanks to John and thanks to you for watching.